Another big week in the world of football and great to see our Matildas have officially qualified for Paris later this year. Gee, it was a comprehensive performance at Marvel Stadium a couple of nights ago as uh, the Matildas beat Uzbekistan 10-0. It was 8-0 at halftime. We wonder what the final scoreline would be. Uh, safe to say that uh, Tony Gustafsson's ladies cruised through the remainder of the match but still won 10-0. An overall aggregate victory of 13-0. We've also got an A-League round to look forward to. The Perth Glory are looking to continue their great form. They head uh, east to play Western United in a must-win game as part of the weekend's action. Phil Moss, Channel 10 football commentator, former A-League player and coach, has been good enough to join us here on the show. Hello, Phil. Yeah, morning, Jake. Great to be on uh, the show as always on a Friday morning. Yeah, it's uh, it's become an absolute staple of Sports Breakfast on a Friday, and has as has the Matildas winning and winning well. What a, a joyous scene at a packed Marvel Stadium in Melbourne earlier on in the week. Quite remarkable. If you'd have told me ten years ago that um, you know you'd, you'd pack out Marvel Stadium, fifty-four thousand people for a game, really that the Matildas were expected to stroll and, and did stroll in. Um, you know, I would have, uh, I would have said you, you're very aspirational, but um, here we are, and it's uh, fantastic to see it. Uh, you know, as a football fan, someone who's been involved in the game for many, many years, um, I was involved in one of the clubs I used to work for, setting up the women's program at Manly United um, back in the, the late '90s, uh, early 2000s. It's just, it's wonderful to see. And um, Michelle Heyman was the star of the show. Uh, five goals in 64 minutes over both legs when you haven't played for the Matildas for six years, um, 35 years of age, hadn't scored for them, I think, for eight years before this two-leg series against Uzbekistan. It's just a wonderful story. And it, it's actually quite timely because last time Michelle Heyman played for the Matildas, it was nowhere near the popularity that it is today. So to hear her insights and thoughts around what she was used to and, and what she's come into now is quite remarkable. It is, and we just hope that this is sustainable and that we see a lot more success for this Matilda's outfit. But qualifying for an Olympics, how significant is this for, for Australian football, Phil? It's huge, and, and it's, um, you know, it's, it's been documented uh, through, through hard data that um, the more big tournaments our national teams play in. I don't just mean the senior teams, I mean the, the, the junior national teams as well. Um, the more players that uh, forge proper professional careers overseas and um, within the A-leagues as well. So it, it can't be understated the importance of it. Um, but I've, I've said many times, and I'll, I'll reinforce it again, that this Matilda's crop will leave a legacy. Of that, there is no doubt, around working conditions, around taking women's sport to a whole new level, closing the gap, um, and, and that will never be taken away from them. But unless they medal at a at a major tournament, this generation of Matildas won't go down as the, as the best Matildas team because we've got one that's won an Asian Cup. So they really need to get up on the dice. And I know Tony Gustafsson said that medals don't define the success of a team, but... Um, you can you can hear the messages coming from the players. They want a physical um, illustration of uh, of this squad, and and that comes in finishing up on the dais at a at a major tournament. So I'm with the players. They they have to medal at this Olympic Games. I think they're capable of doing it, but they have to follow through and actually achieve it. And they're probably going to have to do it without the best striker in the world. Yeah, Sam Kerr's ACL injury uh, in January certainly looks as though to rule her out, and maybe we're not as reliant. Uh, on on uh, Sam Kerr scoring goals and playing a part as we once were, and, and there's evidence now if you go back to the World Cup. 
Yeah, that's true. That's very true. I, I must admit, I did uh, let my mind wander the other night at ten nil as to what the scoreline might have been had Sam been out there. But um, but you're right. You know, we've we've shown that there's other players who can step up, and this is where Michelle Heyman, I think, has come into to really critical thinking around this uh, Olympic Games because it wasn't just her goals. I mean, that was obviously the highlight and the headline because she was in the right place at the right time and just you could just see her poaching instincts in and around the six-yard box. Um, but it's also her, her general play, the, the way she set a platform for the team to go forward, bring the midfield into the game, her awareness of what's around her, the runs she makes, uh, ball protection with back to goal, all those sort of things that are critical to this Matildas team. So it's it's just an incredible story, and I, I think she'll um, become a linchpin for this uh, Olympic campaign. Another great story, and I know you'll be all over this because you're a Liverpool man, but we often hear in English football that it's all about money and money wins out in the end. Well, we see Chelsea with millions and billions of dollars amongst their playing squad play, a Liverpool squad that is um, wounded and a number of key players out in the cup final. Uh, last weekend and Liverpool produced something special. It just goes to show you that um, building something special is still possible, even without key personnel. Jurgen Klopp on his way out to achieve something pretty special there. He really has. Um, it's an amazing story. And then even yesterday in the FA Cup, you know, two teenagers, uh, Lewis Kumas and Jaden Dans, um, both 18. First time ever that two 18-year-olds have uh, scored for Liverpool in the same game. Um, and you can see he's, lo- he's leaving... This leg, I mean, you know, his legacy is safe no matter what. Um, he's won a Champions League. He's won the, the EPL, um, of course. He's now won the League Cup. Um, still a chance of winning four trophies this, this season. Um, but to leave the club in the state that he, that he is and bring these kids through in the final throws of his tenure at Liverpool is just remarkable. And, um, you know, he will go down um, in Liverpool folklore and history um, as, as the man who restored Liverpool to its rightful place, um, according to Liverpool fans, of course. Um, and, you know, the, the, the talent that he's bringing through is just remarkable. And he said this week, uh, he said that there's a really special feeling at training. Well, I can guarantee him, and he won't say it himself, but that special feeling is because he's on the way out and the players really want to send him out uh, in the manner in which he uh, has, has earned. Could be something quite special coming up in the next few months uh, leading into the end of uh, the English football season. Phil Moss is with us. We're chatting uh, the World Game, a win for the Matildas. They've qualified for the 2024 Paris Olympics and, yeah, a little bit there on Liverpool's Cup final win last weekend. We focus on A-League. Phil, to finish this chat this morning and, um, gee, the glory have had a good run of form. It was a strange old game at HBF Park last week, a scoreless draw, but um, certainly there's sh- um, signs of improvement for Alan Stadgick's men, but they'll have to do it without their coach. He'll be in the stands tomorrow against Western United. Yeah, Stadge is in the naughty corner, five yellow cards, but um, you know it shows the passion um, that he has. And you know, if you'd said probably six weeks ago that, that Perth would get a, a, a draw at home against uh, top of the table and a flying high Wellington Phoenix, you would have probably been locked up in a straitjacket. But... Um, you know, such is the turnaround in form over the last month that, um, you know, you, you kind of went into that game thinking Perth were definitely capable of, uh, of grabbing a point, if not three. So, yeah, it was probably a fair result in the end, but um, it, well, you're right, it was, a, it was an interesting game. It was a different game, but, um, you know, I just, uh, I just love what's happening over there at Perth and, and not before time. You, you look at the shed and I remember, you know, making my NSL debut at, uh, at Perth, Oval and, and the shed was absolutely rocking that day and you know they've rocked since but um, 
there's definitely been some quieter and leaner times, but the the atmosphere over the last couple of weeks since the new ownership's been announced with Ross Peligra, um, you can feel the atmosphere returning to um, to their home ground, and, and that's just wonderful signs for, for things to come. Yeah, over 8,000 fans there last week. They're away. Now, we know they've had troubles on the road, but they're playing Western United, who are bottom of the table. Crucial game this one, isn't it? It could be a backbreaker for the season if they don't get the three points against a team they should beat. Yeah, that's right. And it's in Ballarat. Um, so, um, you know, that just adds a few more ingredients to the mix because it's uh, it's not really a home game for, for Western, although they've used the, the, the ground a lot. It, it is definitely um, uh, strange surroundings or stranger surroundings to what they're used to. So that that's a chance for Perth to go and capitalise on that. But, um, yeah, Western United, um, you know, they're... they're Ross, uh, Ross, uh, John Aloisi this season has really been adamant that their performances have deserved a lot more points and the chances they create. Well, they went to Brisbane and got a 2-2 draw uh, last weekend and that was um, off the back of a, a, a tight loss in the, the Melbourne derby to victory midweek and before that they'd, um, they'd won their first game of the season so against Newcastle. So... You know, they're definitely showing signs of life, although I'm not sure that they'll lift themselves off the bottom of the table. But, um, yeah, Perth have to go there and they really have to boss the game. They have to get on the front foot. They have to dictate the tempo and, and take uh, take their chances. Hopefully the three points they so desire. Uh, tonight, the round starts MacArthur, Melbourne City. Uh, Newcastle Central Coast is always a match worth watching. That's uh, tomorrow. Then West United and Perth Glory. Uh, we've got the... The Sydney Derby, Western Sydney Wanderers and Sydney FC, that's always a big game. Wellington, Adelaide, and the round finishes with uh, the Raw and Melbourne victory. There's some mouth-watering games as part of this weekend. Definitely, definitely. And there was only two teams that capitalised with wins last weekend, and that was um, Central Coast Mariners, of course, and Western Sydney Wanderers. So Central Coast will be buoyed by that um, because it really it was solid points in the bank uh, last weekend and, and it's an F3 derby and there's always a bit of extra spice there. Newcastle coming off that draw with MacArthur last weekend. Um, oh, oh, look, I think the Mariners will have too much for Newcastle, but big news during the week with Sean Millicamp, the CEO of the Mariners, uh, stepping down from his role after nine years. That man, let me tell you, has been an integral part of restoring the pride in the Central Coast Mariners jersey um, with how he's reconnected the club with the community and um, embraced past players and coaches. Um, and I've experienced that firsthand, um, even though I was sacked from the club. So, uh, you know, Sean has, has reached out and Ollie Branch and brought us all back together, celebrated 10-year reunion of the, the 2013 Grand Final. So things like that... Um, you know, it's, it's surprising to hear that he stepped down. I wonder why. Um, I wonder what it means for the club, who will get the role moving forward. But um, first of all, kudos to Sean Millicamp for the job that he's done. And um, I think the Mariners will send him out a winner with this one, uh, F3 Derby, on Saturday night. Huge part of that club over many years. Phil, uh, no, you've got to keep moving this morning. Always a pleasure to chat football with you. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Jake. You too.